Thank you, Dan. Good morning, Encounter Church. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Jonah. We are continuing here in our teaching series through uh, this wonderful uh, little four-chapter book that's got so much for us, doesn't it? So Jonah, uh, chapter 2. Again, I encourage you, uh, find a copy of God's Word. If you didn't bring a Bible from your home, uh, find a, a copy that might be sitting there on a chair next to you and uh, have it there in your lap. That way you can follow along uh, just as we study God's Word. It just makes it easier for all of us. Uh, that way we can uh, just allow God's Word to speak to us. Uh, Jonah chapter 2, again, it's uh, there near the end of the Old Testament. So if you hit the book of Matthew, just put it in reverse a bit, and you'll find the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, and I'm going to read. Again, we made it through all of Jonah chapter 1, right? Hooray. It took us a few weeks. Uh, Christmas will be here before we know it, and so I'm trying to make sure that we get things done before Advent Sunday there at the end of November. <laughs> uh, but Jonah chapter 2 is where we find ourselves this morning, and I encourage you to follow along with me. From inside the fish, verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, in my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple." The engulfing waters, they threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, you brought my life up from the pit. And when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know, uh, circumstances have a way of revealing who we truly are, don't they? All right. Circumstances have a way of revealing who we truly are. For example, you might claim to be a very patient person, uh, but have you ever been running behind and you are sitting there at a traffic light? And you quickly realize, don't you, how patient you are or you are not. Many of us, maybe we think, well, yeah, sure, I'm a forgiving person, but what about when you uh, see or you run into that person who maybe hurt you or said some things about you uh, in the past, and in your heart you're thinking, yes, I've forgiven that person, but maybe you're out running errands one day in the grocery store and you just happen to see them. <laughs> do, you, 
continue down the food aisle and engage them in conversation? Or do you skip to the next aisle over? Uh, our children have been playing basketball here at a summer league, uh, an August league here in J-Town. And uh, nothing reveals a person's true character like sports, right? Uh, both on the court for those students, for those children, and maybe even more revealing in the stands for the parents. Uh, at Marin and I, especially on the fir- the first one of the first games we went to, we, we thought, wow, we are not in Kansas anymore, Toto. This is like, we're not playing Christian ball, okay? Uh, and it can even be worse in some church leagues than, than other leagues, sadly. But circumstances do have a way of revealing who we truly are. And, but not only do, they, do the circumstances reveal who we truly are, but circumstances also have a way of training us in who God wants us to become. So circumstances, again, provide us with that mirror And yet they also give us a pathway to change, a pathway knowing who we turn to for that life change. I think some of us, when we find ourselves in distressful times, right, we see Jonah finds himself in a most distressing time as the end of chapter 1 concludes with Jonah being tossed overboard and then the great fish comes and swallows him up, Jonah now realizes uh, that his circumstances uh, might be a bit dire, although he still is alive inside the belly of the whale. But we see here that the circumstance really has uh, pressed hard on Jonah, and we're going to see where does Jonah turn when he's in a most distressful time. And I think the same question is helpful to the rest of us. Where do we turn when we find ourselves in a circumstance of great distress, of great discouragement? Uh, Again, as Pastor Dan has mentioned already, we do have a number of families here within our congregation. Some of you who are here this morning, others who have not been able to be here this morning with us. uh, But we have a number of folks who uh, who are walking difficult roads right now. And I, my prayer is that this sermon will be of great encouragement to them and also that it will be of great encouragement uh, to the rest of us. And that it, maybe you might say, well, right now my life seems to be okay. Uh, let me just tell you that, that there are storms coming, that there are days of struggle and, and heartache and hurt that, that will come. And hopefully this is preparing us for those days. Uh, really the the, the main idea, the big idea for our sermon this morning is hope in God who is able to save you. When you find yourself in a time of great distress um, and those circumstances are such, the question is where are you going to place your hope? Where are you going to turn? Jonah here in chapter 2 is going to help us to see the importance of hoping in God who is able to save you. Now, we also have to understand that from a biblical perspective, uh, hope is not wishful thinking. All right, as hope is used in Scripture, when we talk about hoping in God, it's not like I'm going to cross my fingers and, and hope maybe God comes through for us. Uh, it's, 
it's, it's not a, um, like I'm, I'm going to roll the dice here and, and hope. Instead, the hope that we're speaking of today and the hope that we see often re- communicated to us here in Scripture is that it's a confident certainty. That it's a confident certainty. That when we are hoping in God, there, there is a confident certainty in the one to whom we're crying out to in our distress. I think we all know that when we are at our wit's end, when we find ourselves in a distressful time, when we find ourselves maybe at the end of our rope or, that, or, or, or in that dead-end situation, and maybe you do feel like right now in life you are in a dead-end situation, my invitation to you, the challenge that we have before us this morning, is to hope in God who's able to save you. And so we, we do, we, we now look here at verse 2 or chapter 2. Up to this point, I want us to understand that the trajectory of Jonah's, uh, his journey, the trajectory of his journey has been down, okay? You, you'll kind of see this, uh, that chapter 1, there's been an emphasis and, and into chapter 2 on Jonah going down. You might see there in verse 3, we're reminded that Jonah went down to Joppa, then in Verse 5 of chapter 1, Jonah went down below the deck of the ship. Then in verse 15, we see how Jonah was thrown down overboard the ship. Then in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, we see how Jonah is sinking deeply down into the depths of the sea. And so, Jonah, believing Jonah to be the author who's looking back on his life, who's looking back on this season of his life as he's writing this down to us, Jonah is helping us to see that the trajectory of rebellion always takes us down, down, down. Right? Rebellion and sin, uh, they might seem to be a detour toward the more scenic and easy plateau of pleasure, uh, for a season, it, it might seem, sin is always going to trick us in that regard, that, that it's going to take us to an easier road, a more pleasurable uh, scenic area, but eventually sin is going to bring us down, down, down. And this is what Jonah, again, believing him to be the, he to be the one who authored this, this is what he's helping us to see. And so Jonah is here, he's taking us down as he's relaying this, He's taking us down so that we might essentially, literally, hit rock bottom so that we have nowhere else to turn but up, but to look up. And here in chapter, chapter 2, Jonah is going to help us to see that even at our darkest and our deepest moments of life, there is hope. Let me say that again. Even at our darkest and our deepest moments of life, hope remains. And it's that steadfast mercy. It's, it's God is continuing to pursue us. The steadfast mercy of God will find you, Jonah says, even in the belly of a whale. Right? We, we tend to learn, I think it's true, we tend to learn some of the best truths of God's mercy when we need it most. When we hit rock bottom. Right? We sang it already, but let me remind us of what the psalmist says in Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all 
the days of my life. This is such a wonderful truth. It's a beautiful picture that hot on our heels is God's goodness and his mercy. The mercy of God has sometimes been referred to as the hound dog of heaven, that it's always going to chase you down. (laughs) And this mercy brings us hope. The question then is when we find ourselves in that deep area, in in that pit, in that dark season of life, where are we turning? When we find ourselves in that distress, and again, the big idea is this, the challenge is this, is to hope in God who is able to save you. Well, let's see these three different ways in which we hope in God, three different reasons why we should hope in God. The first is that we have the hope of God's personal concern for our distress. As Jonah is going to help us to see that God has a, a personal concern for your distress, for your situation. And so we take note of how chapter 2 begins, that from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. You might even want to underline there in your Bibles that word his, or just circle it, his God. These words instruct us in the personal concern that God has for us as individuals. That the same loving and good God who brought the distress on Jonah is the same God who will, who will save Jonah out of it. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. And Jonah's confident that even in his rebellion, that God still has great concern for him. In fact, all the events of chapter 1 are orchestrated by God, right, out of concern for Jonah. Again, that even in his rebellion, God is still concerned about Jonah. God is not approving of Jonah's rebellion, but God has not forgotten Jonah. Again, I think we can see some of these, this, this story in Jesus' parable there in the New Testament when Jesus talks about the, the parable of, of the wayward or the prodigal son. The father is not pleased with his son's rebellion, but the father has not forgotten his son. We have the hope of God's personal concern when we find ourselves in distress. And we're reminded there in chapter 1 that the severe mercy of the, so- of the storm, the severe mercy of being caught up in the waves of the ocean and, and the powerful toe of the wave's currents, these severe mercies, as we've talked about, they allow Jonah to experience the miracle of God's salvation through the great fish. Right? While it may have seemed that God was driving Jonah away from his presence through all of these apparent hardships, and that, that as he's being tossed overboard, one might think, oh, well, God has given up on Jonah. And instead, God is actually using those circumstances to bring Jonah back. And the end of chapter 1 tells us that God prepared and appointed a great fish specifically for Jonah. Right? That is such a, a wonderful picture. Like, I can hardly get my dog to obey me. And here God, again, it gives us this picture of God's sovereignty over, over all things, over all nature, that God appoints, it's like, hey, whale number, well, 
we'll call him Blubber, right? That sounds like a good name for a whale. Hey, Blubber, it's time for you to go pick up Jonah. I got this guy. He's going to be floating in the ocean here soon. Get over there. And he's like, okay, I'll go do that because that's how, jo- how whales talk. Or great fish. I'm sorry. It could have been that great white, white shark like Cooper told us. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, but we see here that God appointed this, way, this, this, great, this great fish. And it served as a means of salvation from the deep waters. Had it not been for the storm, had it not been for the sailors tossing Jonah overboard, Jonah would have remained on that ship, hell-bent in rebellion, heading toward Tarshish. Tarshish, in Jonah's mind, was the place where he, where Jonah would have finally been able to do what he wanted to do, to be free of the shackles of his prophetic responsibility. If God had not brought the storm, if God had not prepared those sailors to even toss him overboard, if God had not appointed the fish, then Jonah would still be sailing off into the sunset in his rebellion. But God loves Jonah too much. God loves Jonah too much. And in fact, we can say that God loves the people of Nineveh too much to allow Jonah to continue to sail. See, God shows personal concern for Jonah. And what does he do? God solicits distress as a messenger of mercy. And so Jonah comes quick, quickly comes to realize how God has orchestrated the severe storm. Jonah comes and we see, we read it here in his prayer that God is the one who's orchestrated the, the angry sea. That God is the one who stirred up the, the consuming waters. Why? For Jonah's benefit. In fact, here in his prayer, Jonah attributes God as being the one who hurled him overboard into the depths of the sea, that God used the sailors to carry out his plan. Jonah even assigns, he assigns God as the owner of the waves and the breakers that swept over him as he's, as he's flailing about there in the ocean. And so I wonder, church, the distressing situation that you find yourself in, the hardship or the struggle or the heartache right now that you're carrying Could it be that that complicated what seems to be mess? Could it be um, that God is simply using that to draw you back to himself? That God is bringing these circumstances, is allowing these circumstances in your life to help you to evaluate and say, where is my hope truly placed? Who am I truly relying on? And, and again, maybe, maybe you might not say, you might, you might say, well, I'm not really facing a, a hard time. But maybe it's just the this, this simple uh, mundane tasks of your day. Like my wife will on frequent basis just be like, I'm tired of being a mom, <laughs> you know, or I'm ready to be done with this homeschooling bit. Because sometimes just the daily activities of our lives bring us to the end of ourselves. It doesn't have to be this catastrophic storm sometimes. Sometimes it's just life in general. 
in those moments, who are we turning to for hope? Where are we running to? And so, again, Jonah helps us to see that in those moments, in those distressing times, what does he do? He turns to, he turns and he prays to who? To his God. It's a very individual and personal prayer. We're reminded in other areas of Scripture that God is concerned about you individually. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 41, For I, the Lord your God, I hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Have you thought about your heavenly father, the God over all creation, being the one who reaches down and says, let me hold your hand through, through this. Or the psalmist says in Psalm 32, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you, how? With my eye upon you. That God's loving eyes are looking on you. Not only as a corporate body, but as individuals. That God has not lost track of you in the situation that you're walking through right now. Or Isaiah 46 says, even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will hear and I will bear. I will carry and will save. Right? Isaiah says that even in our old age, sometimes I think as, as, as we grow older, and I'm trying, again, I'm trying to kind of not look individual people in the eyes for fear of you thinking I'm your old age. I'll look at these youngsters over here, right? But, but I, think of, I do think of people like Bill Clark. Again, he's not here. Who's, who's walking through a difficult road right now and even has, has communicated and has said, I, I get lonely and, and, I, and growing old is hard. And I'm, only go, and I'm turning 45 here in a few weeks. And I'm already saying, man, it is hard, isn't it? But yet, even in our old age, what does God tell us? Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, what? I will carry you. So are the circumstances of your life, are the struggles that you're facing, are they helping you to see where your hope is placed and that you have a God who takes personal concern in you? So we hope in God, the one who is able to save. We run then, we look then to uh, put the second point here that Jonah is going to help us to see is that we have the hope of God's listening ear to our distress, right? Not only is God's eyes on you, but God's ears are turned toward you. In chapter two, uh, here in chapter two, we, we truly do read one of the most beautiful prayers of scripture. And the irony is this, is that up to this point in, in Jonah's account, the irony is that we've not heard Jonah utter a single word of prayer. He's not expressed any desire to turn to the Lord. In fact, in chapter 1, Jonah clearly relates to us. He says, I was running from the presence of the Lord. And so it would only make sense. Why would Jonah turn to the Lord in prayer if he's running from the presence 
of God. Again, we, we don't read of any prayer. Consider the fact that Jonah never wrestled with God in prayer after receiving the call to Nineveh. Jonah never sought the Lord's guidance through prayer as he, as he set off down the road to the seaport of Joppa. Right? As Jonah is purchasing the ticket for Tarshish and as he's boarding, boarding the ship, Jonah never asks God for safe passage. Even as Jonah is woken up by the captain of the ship and as the waves roared over the, over the side of the ship, Jonah is still silent in his conversation with God. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the trajectory, as we've already uncovered, the trajectory of Jonah's life up to this point in our study has been that downward trend. And it seems like a prayerless life has a way of contributing to a life of running away from God. One commentator suggested that prayerlessness leads us to folly and sin. And folly and sin leads us to disaster. And I guess I ask you this morning, and I look at myself as well, does my life look more like chapter one than chapter two? Right? Maybe my struggle with sin, uh, maybe the way in which I should battle my struggle with sin is by returning to the Lord in prayer and starting there. Right? How is your prayer life right now? Are you avoiding prayer? Maybe you're avoiding prayer because you've decided to pursue sin instead. And I wonder, is your lack of discipline in prayer opening you up to sin? You see, prayer has a way of guarding our hearts against a wayward life. Prayer has a way of guarding us against boarding that ship that's sailing straight for the sea of distress. Up to this point, Jonah has clearly neglected prayer. And what do we see? We see God, as we've talked about, God has brought his severe mercy, right? God uses the storm to wake Jonah up again. And Jonah here in chapter 2, there in, in this prayer, he describes for us the distressful situation that he was in. Look there in verse 2. What does he say? He says that from the deep in the realm of death, I mean, that's describing a, a troublesome area. There in verse 3, he says, The currents, they swirled about me. All your waves and your breakers, they swept over me. Have you ever been to the beach? Have you ever been to the ocean and gone out and, and, and almost just allowed your body to go limp and allowed the waves to wash over you and allow the tide and the current to pull you under? Imagine being in the middle of the ocean without any sight of the seashore of, of the sea line of the shoreline and 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 just the wave after wave hitting you and sucking you under in verse 4 Jonah describes his situation like this he says i've been banished from your sight verse 5 he says the engulfing waters they threatened me the deep surrounded me seaweed what a picture here right like the seaweed monster coming out. Seaweed was wrapped all around my head. He was tangled up in it. He says the earth beneath, it barred me in forever. It's like he had been imprisoned here by these waters. He says my life was ebbing away. Notice here that the same sea, the same sea that Jonah was determined 
was going to carry him to what he thought would be a life of freedom in Tarshish is the same sea that God used essentially as a temporary grave giving Jonah a taste of death. That's what God was doing. He was giving Jonah that taste of death. He was bringing that circumstance into his life. And then along comes that great fish on appointment by God to deliver Jonah from what? From himself and from his rebellion. And what is Jonah's response to his his distress? It's prayer. Church, sometimes the very best thing that can happen to us is the very thing that we most dread for the simple reason is that it strips away our self-reliance, it humbles our pride, and it removes from us every other hope other than the hope that remains, and that's the hope of God. Sometimes we have to have all of those other hopes stripped away so that we can truly see what our one true hope is. Here in chapter 2, Jonah gives us testimony of how God heard his prayer. How God hears his cry for help. When you are at your lowest and your darkest hour, God's ear is still listening. Church, I'll be the first to admit, man, oh man, there are some times when I tire of listening to my children because they're calling out from the other end of the house. They're like, Dad! Dad! And you think, not again. But God never tires of that. God is always listening for our cries for help. No matter how much we try to insulate ourselves from hardship and heartache, from discouragement and depression, from frustration and failure, even for those of us who are, who are walking in righteousness alongside the Lord, we will find ourselves experiencing deep and distressful seasons of life. And in those seasons of life, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is our response going to be and who are we going to cry out to? And the hope that we have in God listening, Jonah tells us here in chapter 2, he says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And what does he say? You listen to my cry. And why wouldn't God listen to Jonah's cry? Because we learned in the first place that God has a deep, he has a personal concern for Jonah. That God's paying attention, that he's listening. And that the lowest point of Jonah's life and at the lowest point of your life and my life, even even after a pattern of prayerlessness, right? Like for me, my tendency is to hold a grudge again. Like, like, what do you mean? You know, you you I, I know what it what it you, you know, it's like like you've you've been avoiding me all this time. Why why should you expect me to oh now you need my help, right? Do you ever have that attitude? It's like, oh, so now that you actually, you know, are 16 and want to drive the car, now you want to tell me you love me, right? But we say, we, we see this to be true, that even in this, this, this clear rebellion, even in running away from the Lord, that when Jonah turns, when he cries out to the Lord, that there God's mercy meets him, and God hears his cry for help. 
Christian, I want to encourage you to allow the distress, no matter what your life has looked like up to this point, I want to encourage you to allow whatever the distressful situation, whatever the heartache is is that you're going through, I want you to drive you to the Lord in prayer. And that you would have full confidence that God is listening. He is listening. And so don't go to him. Don't don't think that you have to go to him sheepishly. Yes, go to him in humility and with with a, a heart of repentance. But go to him with that confidence knowing that he is listening. And that he wants you to cry out to him. And then finally, the third one is this, is that we have the hope of God's comforting word in our distress. So the first one is, is we have, we have the hope of, of God's personal concern for our distress, right? Why do we cry out to the God who saves us? Because he's personally concerned about your situation, about what you're walking through. Why do we cry out to the God who saves us? Because he's listening to us. And then finally, we have the hope of God's comforting word in our distress. Now, if you were listening, if you were hearing Jonah's prayer here, if you were hearing that for the first time, and almost, um, if you were hearing it, not knowing that it was from the book of Jonah. For example, let me just read a couple verses again to you, right? Jonah writes this. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realms of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and, and the currents swirled about me. If you didn't know that that was from the book of Jonah, and you were on jeopardy, and they asked this question, what book is this prayer from, you would probably say, what would you say? What, what's that? Who said Psalms? That's wrong. It's, it's actually, what is Psalms, if you're on Jeopardy, Vonda? Good, good try, though. What, you would say Psalms, wouldn't you? That's exactly right. You, you would say, man, this sounds straight from the psalmist. It does sound a lot like the Psalms. In fact, some have referred to Jonah's prayer as Jonah's psalm. I'd encourage you, take some time there in your copy of God's Word. Hopefully, maybe you have a copy of a a study Bible of some sort that gives you some cross-references. Oh, go down those bunny trails. Look at all of the cross-references from this psalm. In fact, if you... In studying this, you are going to see that echoes and themes of over 10 different psalms are listed here in Jonah's prayer. You have Psalm 3. In fact, I think there's probably at least 11. You have Psalm 3, Psalm 5, Psalm 16, Psalm 18, Psalm 31, 42, 50, 65, 88, 120, and 130. You have all of these psalms. It becomes clear that the reason why Jonah would recite the psalms there in the belly of the fish is because why? He was familiar with them. He was familiar with them. No doubt would Jonah, being a prophet, but even just being a young man raised in a Jewish family, he would have been raised and nurtured through the book of the psalms. Throughout Scripture, throughout history, the people of God memorized and recited, they sang, 
the Psalms, Jesus himself often quoted from the book of Psalms. Pastor Dan has done such a wonderful job of reminding the, of this over, uh, of us, us of this over the years that the Psalms are indeed the prayer book for all of life. The Psalms have a way of expressing that great range of emotions that we experience from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, from friendship to betrayal, from, reje- from rejoicing to complaining. The Psalms have a way of reflecting real life. And the Psalms give us words to pray when we don't know what to pray or even how to pray. In fact, if I have the opportunity to one day visit you in the hospital or to perform a funeral for a loved one, I'll be reciting from the Psalms. This past Wednesday morning when I went and Jesse and I went and prayed with Margaret and and her daughter Christina before her surgery, we read from the Psalms. And in our deep distress, in our times of discouragement, where do you go for words of comfort? Where do you go when you're struggling? All right, do you sit and... Do you sit down and get a bowl of ice cream and bring up a a season of your favorite show on Netflix to try to chase the pain and the heartache away? Do you scroll through your social media feed? Maybe you pop in the earbuds and you crank up Spotify, hoping to drown out your emotions with some sort of catchy anthem chorus. As believers, God has given us the hope of God's word in our distress. God has given us specifically the book of Psalms. Christians who make Psalms, who make it their practice to walk frequently through the Psalms, Christians who make it their practice to sing the Psalms together, Christians who make it their practice to commit them to memory, will be, you'll be prepared to know where to turn when you find yourself at the deepest point of your life. Jonah, coming out of rebellion, the circumstances really really press him, don't they? Where does he turn? He turns to to God, and the natural overflow of his heart are the Psalms. So church, I wonder, are you spending time in the Psalms? preparing now for the deep season of your life. And this is just as convicting. Again, every sermon I preach, I, I often preach thinking, Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, can't, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't want to preach this because I don't live it out myself. But I'm challenged here. How much time am I spending soaking in the Psalms? Right, are you meditating on the Psalms regularly? Are you slowly reading and memorizing the Psalms together? Are you singing the Psalms loudly? Like as we were singing, this was a great acoustic duo set. I, and here's what came to my mind. I, f- I thought, campfire hymn sing, baby, right? 
There is nothing like gathering with other believers around a circle, and we're going to do that at the camp out, but then maybe at our house sometime here this fall. But that, what an encouraging time to just sing out and sing the psalms, sing choruses of truth together to each other. Are you doing that, college student? High school student, middle school student, are you studying the Psalms with the same level of interest as you're studying your academic pursuits? Do you believe that the Psalms are indeed the very wisdom of God for all seasons of life? Are you setting time aside to meditate on these ancient prayers? Parents, are you teaching the Psalms to your children? How are you preparing your children to fight future battles? How are you preparing your children to endure difficult seasons of life by teaching them the Psalms? Husbands and wives, are you reading and praying through the Psalms together? Are you allowing the Psalms to be the mediator between you two during the seasons of struggle? Older saints, are you speaking the Psalms to those whom you're investing in, who you're discipling? Are you praying the Psalms over the generations who are following in your footsteps? See, there in the belly of the fish, Jonah, who's the reluctant prophet, becomes the reciting psalmist as he declares these truths that are hidden deep in his heart that in turn give him comfort in the depths of the sea. We have the hope of God's comforting word in our distress. And so we hope in God who is able to save us, don't we? We do. We hope in God. We know that God has personal concern. We know that God is going to hear our cry for help and we know that God has given us His Word to help us through this trial. And then verse 9 concludes with an incredible shout of acclamation. You see it there at the end of verse 9. What does he say? He says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah reminds us that there is no other source for salvation. There is no shortcut. There's no other way around it. That the only means of salvation is God and God alone. And we know that this salvation begins when a person is saved completely through the work of Jesus Christ here on this side of the cross, we know that salvation is completely the work of God. That it's not a a tag team effort where God commits 60% of the work and I commit 40%. Instead, it is completely the work of God through Jesus Christ there on the cross of Calvary. And so if salvation comes from the Lord... As Jonah, who's believing in the Messiah to come, who's believing in the one true God, he says salvation is from God. If salvation comes from the Lord, then why are we looking anywhere else? 
here after church. Several of the elders and some of the staff were going to go pray with Richard and Nancy McDonald at their home. Just praying over and, and wanting to walk through with them some of these struggles that they've been experiencing. And when Richard called out, he, said, he called me yesterday. He said, Michael, he said, I know this might sound crazy. He said, but would the elders come and just pray over us and pray over our home? And I said, you know, Richard, I said, honestly, that's probably where we should have started. Where do you turn? We're told in Acts that there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In the book of Revelation, we'll get a picture, we'll be reminded of this. John the, John the Apostle, as he gets a, gives, gets a glimpse of what is to come, he says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And what did they cry out? They cried out in a loud voice. Here it is. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Church, if salvation belongs to God, if it's God and God alone who is able to save us, not only in our spiritual deadness condition, but even in the distress and the discouraging and the heartaches of your life, if he's the one who saves us, then why aren't we turning to him as our only hope? And so I wonder, are you in a desperate situation right now? Are you facing a hardship or a struggle? Are you facing a hardship or a struggle that maybe has even paralyzed your faith? Is your heart seeming to sink deeper and deeper in fear? Have the circumstances helped you to see that your hope hasn't been in God? Maybe you're even sitting here and saying, oh, man, I've been running from the Lord in rebellion. And I know that the storm clouds of distress and disaster are in the not so distant future if I don't turn around. Church, hope in God. And I just want to pray right now over us as a congregation, even thinking specifically of several individuals who are walking through difficult days. And maybe as I'm praying, I'll pray with my eyes open. You can pray with your eyes closed, whatever, however you want to pray. But maybe you would just say, Michael, would you just pray for me? And I, won't I don't have to necessarily acknowledge you by name, but just maybe you're just going to slip your hand up during the prayer and just say, that's me right now. I need to learn to hope in God more. All right, so let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, I thank you for this example of Jonah's life, and we are reminded, God, that uh, Jonah was not perfect. We'll be even seeing that he, it's a roller coaster of faith for him and obedience. Uh, God, this is a reflection often of our own lives. God, we've learned this morning that we have only one hope, only one place to turn. God, we thank you that you do save us. And God, I pray for Bill Clark. Uh, Father, I pray uh, that you would save him from discouragement. Uh, God, we do pray for your hand of healing on his body. Um, God, I pray for Margaret Sexton and uh, this, this road of recovery. Father, we pray that your hand of healing would be on her body. 
Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use uh, this circumstance in the life of her, in the lives of her children, and that, Lord, her children through this would turn to you as their only hope. Father, we've uh, been praying for Yana's uh, sister and her niece and the cancer that she's going through right now, uh, the cancer that they are going through right now. Uh, God, we just pray that they would turn to you as their hope. God, that they would know that you are present with them, that you hear them. Father, that they would turn to your word. Father, I pray uh, that Yana would uh, speak these words, the Psalms, uh, to them as words of hope. Father, I pray for marriages here in our congregation that are struggling, uh, that are filled with hurt and heartache. Uh, God, I pray that you would soften hearts and that you would uh, bring husbands and wives uh, back to each other again. God, I pray for wayward children in our congregation. Uh, Father, knowing that uh, some of these um, some parents, some of us here this morning uh, have deep hurt for our children. And God, I pray, Father, that you uh, would move mightily in the lives of those children. God, do what you need to do. God, orchestrate events so that they would be drawn back to you. Certainly, Lord, we pray that uh, you would protect them and uh, preserve them through that. Uh, but most importantly, Lord, we just want to see hearts uh, coming back to you. Um, Father, I pray for parents also of young children. God, help us to be preparing our children uh, for the difficulties and the seasons of struggle of life by teaching them the Psalms. Father, um, thank you, Lord, for your word. And uh, God, I just pray, God, as a congregation, that as we face times of distress, Lord, I also pray for, for the McDonald's even. And uh, God, just uh, pray uh, that you would intervene and that you would uh, just remove this heartache and this deep struggle that they've been enduring and experiencing this last month. Uh, God, that, uh, that, that, um, that Richard and, and uh, Nancy, Father, and their boys would be able to one day look back and, and testify to how you worked not only in their home in a physical way, but God also, more importantly, in their hearts through this difficult circumstance. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. Thank you that we can cry out to you. And, uh, Lord, thank you for your word. And uh, we just pray now that your spirit would take it and would change us through it. In Jesus' name, amen.